0: Time and time again, we hear about these phrases, the journey, the process. Oh, sorry, Americans, the process. Long-term development, progression to world-class. What do they say? Every overnight success is 10 years in the making. Well, conceptually, that concept's great. Intellectually and logically, most of us can buy into it. But what about if you're seeking to become one of the best in the world. The transition from a hobby to a central driver of your life. What about if you want to go pro? A common title chased by so many aspiring young athletes. Today, we investigate the path to pro, particularly in triathlon. We talk about case studies from those who are left on the trash heap of failed dreams and balance it with those who, in my mind, have done it very, very well. Not going pro? This show not for you? Think again. Because when we finish with some thoughts on the right way to go pro, we're going to start to apply it to developing coaches and even those who are looking to thrive in the corporate space. So no matter what your position is, I think you can get a little bit about personal development and growth. Today, we dance in the very thin air of world-class performance. We go pro. But before we do that, Let's do Word of the Week. We like the way he thinks, serious with a wink. Let's open the book, it's time to take a peek. It's the Dixonary Word of the Week. Yes, and the Word of the Week this week is coached. In fact, it's the art of being coached. This is a perfect word of the week for this week as I would argue that the role of mentors and coaches are so critical for any athlete or worker who are seeking their own personal excellence. But getting a coach doesn't automatically mean you're successful. Coaching, I'm here to tell you, isn't fairy dust. It's a partnership, that word is important, a partnership in the quest of your excellence. So how should you view your role in being coached? Well, the first thing I'd say is do your homework. You must have trust in the baseline principles and beliefs of your guide, your mentor, and your coach. Without this, the fabric of everything that he or she builds for you is never gonna be taken fully on board. The second component is I'd encourage you to be very vocal, but also realistic. A coach is not there to solve all of your life problems, to be a therapist per se, although sometimes I wonder that comes into the job pretty frequently, perhaps more frequently than we think about, but you must be an active participant in your journey. And so great coaching, or I should say being coached greatly, is not about doing what you're told. It is a collaborative partnership in which you're invested in the process and actually engaged in the relationship. So receiving a training plan and executing it is only the very first step on the stone of a great coaching partnership. Instead, bring something to the coach, bring something to the athlete. Ultimately, you are the organism, you are the human being, and you understand your life, your needs, and your role. The coach is to help you to drive up and find perspective, to set the path and for you to execute. But when in process, when in process, it's so critical that you don't turn into a lemming. Instead, follow these routines. Number one, understand and ask questions. Why are we doing this? What is the path we're looking for? What are the outcomes that we need? become empowered to become your own best manager, seek education and understanding so that you are able to make your best decisions. In fact, a great coach will have the quest and goal of making themselves irrelevant at the end of the day, but that can only happen if the athlete is truly engaged and wants to understand the why and appreciates being empowered to make their own best decisions when possible. And finally, seek perspective. Always look to come up out of the weeds. Ask your coach where you've come, where you're going, and what we're looking to achieve. Ultimately, excellence is mission-focused. And to have the mission, we have to drive on a daily basis. But we also have to sometimes pause, come up for air, and take stock. A great coach should help you do that. But ultimately, remember those words. A great coach should help you do that. That means you have to be coming along for the ride, and ultimately, it's your ownership and your responsibility. That is the centerpiece of being a great coached athlete, and that is why the word of the week this week is coached. Now, let's get on with the meat and potatoes. Yes, the meat and potatoes and this one we're talking about going pro. It seems like it's a real sliver of a discussion point here, a very small part of the audience that we're going to talk about going from being a very good amateur to ultimately racing, at least in the old days, with that pee on the calf. But in order to get there, and I hope, I think that many listeners will find this useful, interesting and informative But let's first, rather than diving in about the best way to go pro, let's really frame what this is about. Let's frame the mindset. Well, if you're an amateur athlete, I believe that the most successful and those with the greatest or longest time in the sport, thriving and enjoying and ultimately improving, have a mindset of their best performance within context of their life. In other words, I would argue that you really shouldn't be a purple patch athlete if your goal isn't just to qualify to Hawaii, to win your age group, to cross the finish line for the first time, but instead you become a great coached athlete and a great purple patch athlete if your quest is to improve and cross the finish line and qualify on whatever that sporting goal might be without compromise of the non-negotiable components of life. Your performance at work, your health, and the best version of yourself that you can bring for your family. And that's why we anchor so much around performance within context of your life. But now, let's think about the pro. Because we're talking today about the transition from the amateur mindset, which is great, to becoming a world-class pro. Well, in general, There should be a critical divergence in what it means to seek world-class performance. And a pro should ultimately be seeking world-class performance. And so any pro must, must be suitably selfish in their unapologetic pursuit of world-class performance. Now, if we look at the life of an amateur, our quest as a, coaching company, as a coach, as you, the athlete, is ultimately to integrate sport and all of your dreams and goals and results you wanna pursue, integrate it and all of the supporting habits into your very big life. But for the pro, ultimately, we build much of life around that unapologetic quest for performance. And so if you're listening and you have aspirations, The first step for you on this journey towards going pro is actually to have a very serious session of thought about what you're asking for when you start to say, I wanna go pro. Make no mistake, things change. Oh, and one more thing before we dive in. Now, how do we say this right? How can I carefully choose the right words to convert the passion and the belief behind this statement. I think there's only way, and I'm sorry I'm English, so hopefully it sounds like poetry. Kids, cover your ears, I, I really apologize, but mate, you make no mistake, the journey of a pro is really fucking hard. That's the only way I can say it, seriously. It is so much tougher than you can imagine. So before you take your first step, step forth carefully and with purpose, but do so with the realization that you're not that special and you are as well not going to find this easy. But if you do it well, if you plan and you execute and you retain the passion, it can be a life experience that is more rewarding than you can imagine. And I'm not talking about rewarding in dollars and cents, but, I believe that getting the progression to pro is so critically important. So let's dive in. And what better way is there to dive in than to begin with a story? I like telling you guys story and it's another purple patch case study. Now we're gonna call her Sally, but to be honest, I've seen this type of story that I'm gonna tell you today, replayed in our sport way too many times. So this is all about, I'm afraid to say, doing it poorly oh Sally it could have been so different so the profile of Sally is she was a very good age group athlete now we have to remember when we're having this discussion we're talking in thin air here but she was a very good age group athlete and she'd won a couple of half Ironman distances in her age group. And then the performance came, the breakout performance. Now, before we dive into the breakout performance, we have to understand her strengths and weaknesses. So relative to other amateur athletes, Sally was a very strong rider up in very much the first three, four or five riders in most age group races. And she had a wonderful run. But relative to other age groupers and certainly to the pro field, she was a very poor swimmer. And so typically, her races would go as you might expect. There would be a little bit of a deficit out of the swim. She would ride through much of the field on the bike and then get to the run and charge. Well, in one particular race, everything came together. She came out of the swim. She had a pretty good swim for her relative. She rode very, very well, perhaps more faster than we even thought would, would happen. And then onto the run. The legs came alive. She put together a wonderful marathon and the overall Ironman champion. The quest for excellence at age group had been secured. GoPro, GoPro. It's time to go to the next level. Well-meaning family and friends and supporters. When are you going to go pro? Of course, Sally, with a couple of great races under her belt and one magical race under the belt, the quest and the thirst and the excitement of having that label going pro. She said to me, will I guide her? Will I coach her to be pro? Well, how do you respond as a coach to that? the first thing I did was ask a question. What's the goal? Why do you want to go pro? And she was very, very strong in her understanding. I want to go pro and I want to be successful. I want to go to the world championships as a pro. I want to hit podiums. I want to become a highly professional triathlete and I'm in it for the long term. Okay, that's important context. In our case with Sally, She'd developed as an amateur. She'd done well. She had a great result and a couple of other very good results. But her vision, her dream, her North Star was to become a world-class athlete. The answer I gave her to that question is great. Thank you. You're not ready. Why? Sally asked. You're not ready. And here's the reason why, Sally. So far, she hadn't exhibited the training behaviour of a true professional she also hadn't taken the actions in the areas that would allow full development so that she could come up to the level necessarily to be competitive as a professional triathlete i don't like swimming i tend to rely on my strengths yes nothing about her behaviour was in line with being a pro yet she was not ready physically She couldn't compete at the level. And in my mind, she wasn't ready emotionally either. She didn't have the habits and the approach. Her performance levels were very good. In fact, extremely good for an amateur. But there is a whole other world of needs to make a very seemingly small jump to the pro level that is in fact giant. So of course, Sally's response to me, from the athlete but in 70.3 i would have been eighth place overall and at the ironman i would have been 12th my time was the 12th fastest and even at this place even if i don't improve all i need to do is be the same and i would have been eighth in the half ironman and 12th in the ironman come on i'm ready it's the classic mathematics game but there's a flaw in the thinking because one She's executing the race on the same course. The two races, for many reasons, just couldn't be more different, both physically and emotionally. So let's pause here quickly, because I think it's important for me to outline. Look, I get it. There is a massive emotional internal pull to be pro, the pro label, racing at the highest level, and of course, the external push for you. Your closest friends and family believe in you. You can do it, go show them, you're amazing. But typically, those pushing you are those that actually have the least understanding of what it takes to be, or at least to develop towards being world-class. There is a reason that we talk about the journey. And so without diving into the details, without prolonging Sally's agony, what was the net result for this athlete? Well, I'm afraid to say that she didn't take the advice on board. She ultimately decided to take the pro card. The justification, I'm gonna learn from the inside. I'm gonna gain motivation from the higher level. It's gonna push me to new levels. What was her first race? It was an Ironman 70.3 or a half Ironman distance. She came out of the water nine minutes behind. She lost more time on the bike. Yep, you guessed it. These pros can ride their bike. It's a bike race. And then she ran very, very well, but she arrived well behind the first finishers. She was in fact behind four amateur athletes. She didn't see another athlete All day, a very lonely experience. Fast forward to five races in, and suddenly we find Sally with a lack of confidence, a lack of enjoyment, and certainly none of that motivation from a higher level, because it's very hard to be motivated when you just don't see them all day. So, in training, how did her habits change? Do you remember we talked about the essential components of evolution? Well, she did a little more swimming. She began to struggle with the conversion of what was originally a happy release from life to the external pressures of this sport now being central to her existence. What had happened and what so few learned to appreciate is that her hobby was suddenly now her primary identity and focus. Within nine months, she was out of the sport. And I'm afraid. That's a very common outcome. If it's not that, it's one of plateau and in existence as a pro, as I hate to say this, an afterthought, at least in the nitty gritty world of performance and results. So for Sally, what started out as an adventure, a great ride, one of hope and a future glory, the life really wasn't for her. She couldn't thrive in the sport. But, oh, Sally, it could have been so different. But why do I tell you this story? The reason is, is ultimately, look, it's unbelievably common of an ill-thought transition from amateur to pro to have an end result of this. It's a story of one who loved the concept of racing with pro as a label but ultimately didn't have the clarity into what it truly means or what the life of a pro truly is. So are you committed as a thriving amateur, eager to take a step up to that pro? Well, let's think about what it takes to be there. And as we go further on, We're gonna talk about how you can take these lessons and hone your development of skills as a coach or ultimately to make yourself indispensable as an employee. And we're gonna dive into Purple Patch and our values and how we see the pathway of greatness or success for our team at Purple Patch. So let's take a step back. Let's talk about the established pros. When we cast our eyes at the most successful pros in the sport who've not only achieved results but developed over many years and consistently improved, they are the ones that have been able to craft their recipe well. They've embraced the passion of the journey of performance and also successfully established habits that have set themselves up individually for success. And the majority of these athletes, the vast majority of the athletes, and yes, there are outliers, but the majority of these athletes have carefully progressed and transitioned into racing at the pro level when they can have a meaningful impact and thrive in the demands that everything that pro racing brings you. It doesn't mean that these athletes begin their pro careers as top pros. But instead, they've developed enough to be equipped to develop at that level. Now, some of those, of course, have gone on to become household names, at least in our sport. And it's impossibly tough to understand if you haven't been through it, which is why it's so hard for eager elite amateurs to grasp. And it's even tougher for supportive family and friends and partners to appreciate the value and the critical nature of the journey. Look, even if we just look at our little squad of pros, there's a reason that athletes like Meredith Kessler, Sarah Pianpiano, Jesse Thomas, Laura Siddle, and many more have gone on to build big careers. Every one of them had patience in their setup to finally turn pro. And when they did make that transition, they were equipped and that's the key phrase, equipped to enter the pro field with impact and effect. Each one of these athletes had qualified to their pro license 12 to 24 months before making the leap. But the formative year, or more importantly, or more typically years, were I believe the ultimate setup for success. And this goes well beyond the splits you achieved in any race as an amateur, and it goes well beyond your level of fitness. All is not rosy in the journey of a pro, so let's investigate. Well, before we talk about a successful athlete, let's talk about the components of elite behavior in order to do the job really well. What does it actually mean to be pro? Well, let's investigate and have a quick reminder of some of the current characteristics of elite performers. Well, every elite performer, and remember, we talk about life here, but what we're focusing on right now is the professional athlete. Everyone has great ability to plan and have passion for the journey. So it goes without saying, they're goal-driven, they thrive on stepping stone goals, but almost all of them can really love the process and the journey. And you can only actually ultimately set up appropriate goals and missions, not by grabbing them out of the sky because they sound great, but within context of where you're at and where you want to be. That's the most obvious one. But the second component is where it becomes more interesting. I believe under the big bucket that the highest performers have a wonderful mission for consistency. They're highly habit-driven, And they find supportive, positive habits, habits, that is, that support their very hard work. And you have to nail these habits down before you take one step before becoming pro. They also, in the pursuit or the mission of consistency, have a critical nature to retain perspective. They have an innate ability and a learned ability to come out of the weeds and see the big picture. Now, this comes with wisdom. And very few elite amateurs have crafted and developed and honed this perspective. And so it takes time. It cannot be rushed. But the art of gaining perspective and understanding your own individual fabric of journey and how you react cannot be rushed. And I would argue it almost can never be rushed from within elite athletics. A third component of behavior that's absolutely critical is that they are coachable. The value of a mentor or a coach is they have seen it before. They have taken this journey with other athletes before. And so they facilitate the pathway with your contribution and perspective to help you. And the best athletes thrive with accountability. They are lifelong learners. They are consistently looking to grow and they have the humility to be coached and to be led. The very best are the most coachable. And then finally, they're change-able. They are highly resilient physically and emotionally, and they tend to thrive in a consistently changing environment because what you start to learn as you become a seasoned and crusty old world-class performer is that the journey from where you are to where you wanna be is never linear. And so we must learn and understand and appreciate the need for adaptability and resilience. When we think about these four components, the planning and the passion for the journey, the mission for consistency, the ability and the humility to be highly coachable and the development of the resilience to make you changeable, no matter your physical talent, it is incredibly hard and incredibly difficult to learn this when you put yourself in the category that absolutely demands world-class performance. So let's think about the factors of being a successful as a professional athlete. Well, the first factor is you've gotta be competitive. You actually have to physically be at the level or be very close to the level that you can actually have an impact. I seldom see an athlete racing against tumbleweed and developing confidence. The time to transition is when you can realistically and consistently make an imprint on the race. Now in our sport, triathlon, this is easier if your strengths happen to lie in swimming and cycling. That was the story of Meredith Kessler. Over of course, something like being a weaker swimmer and then biking and running being your strength. That's like Sarah piano, But true development is still critical in both. And so the time to convert is when you are set up to truly make an imprint. The second component is evolving or shifting your habits. To truly develop on an ongoing basis, to be able to be on a pathway to elevate to world class, there's undoubtedly going to be a point where simple hard work and physical talent will plateau. And for any athlete to progress beyond this level requires solutions-based thinking, positive habits in supporting areas, and a willingness to test and try different methods in training and the overall approach. It's part habit-driven and it's part mindset. And being pro in your approach, doesn't even mean you have to actually be racing pro. But what's key is that realizing and understanding that the existence of a professional athlete can be all-consuming and at the same time, somewhat isolating, it is always better for the athlete who has the aspirations to ultimately set themselves up and find their recipe early. Rather than waiting to hit that plateau when you're racing At the professional level, I seldom see athletes that are able to make seismic habitual changes halfway through a pro career. And so, a little patience, taking that time, developing and almost approaching like a pro before you go pro is going to set you up. And so, so far, we have been competitive, habit development, so that you are pro before you actually are, and then ultimately, establishing the ability to do what it takes. Most successful amateurs achieve success with a whole bunch of hard work and quite a bit of fun racing. Typically, what it takes to be great, a master, means doing a whole bunch of stuff that you might like a little less. So in Sally's case, it was swimming. She got by on a poor swim in the amateur level. But ultimately, this is not a recipe for success in her pro ranks. Yes, her run is good, but it doesn't shine amongst the best professional triathlete runners in the world. And her swim relative is poor. So therefore, objectively, it's game over. So before Sally turned pro and before you turn pro, find out, can you commit to a serious swim project to begin the journey and start to close the gap. If not, there's a truth in the face. The life isn't for you and the passion for the journey simply isn't there. And that's okay. Love the sport, shine, have a great time, be wonderfully successful. Just don't go pro. Have a hard time relating to it? Ask Jesse Thomas. The first year, and many of you guys might know Jesse Thomas, highly successful, wonderfully decorated career, The first two to three years of me coaching Jesse, for three to four months every year, more than 50% of his training hours in any given week constituted swimming. Think about that. It's pretty easy to accumulate training hours on the bike, but think about more than 50% of the training hours being swimming. That is a lot of swimming. Guess what? Jesse doesn't like swimming very much. He's a natural thoroughbred runner but doing what it takes. Is it for you? Can you go and join a youth swim team and swim 50,000 yards a week to get what is necessary so that he can come out of the swim, not 10 minutes behind, but only one or two? That is the quest of what it takes to truly be pro. It isn't for anyone and it shouldn't be because it's thin air up there. Let's look at a case study beyond Jesse. Let's come back to another Purple Patch Pro. Because in many ways, Sarah Piampiano was kind of like Sally. She was a good runner, she was a pretty strong cyclist, and she was a poor swimmer, at least relative to the thin air. Well, Sarah reached out several years ago now, about eight years ago, and she said, I'm going pro and I want you to coach me. I reviewed her profile, and the story goes now, I politely refused. You see, the problem for Sarah. Insane as Sally, is she was at that time nowhere near the level. The swimming was poor, the riding was technically relatively weak and she's simply not strong enough and her running was good, but not good enough. In reviewing her profile and chatting to her, going pro was setting her down a journey and a path where she was destined to pull a Sally. Well, Sarah flew to San Francisco and we sat down and we met. And she said to me, very strong words, I will do what it takes. Just tell me. And if you know Sarah at all, now I know those words meant something because that's an athlete that will do what it takes. And so the project, once we started, was a project of development. The first, a swim project, all in. Secondly, she had to develop physically. Thirdly, she had to enable and grow in wisdom and emotionally develop as well. She also had to create professional habits and ultimately had to commit to a multi-year journey of physical and emotional development. Her challenge from me to her, you're not ready. I'm only gonna coach you if you'll stay amateur, immediately, drop the application, Sarah stayed as an amateur. Her challenge from me was, I need you to go and win everything make your case to me where I cannot refuse. But you have a harder case as your swim is weak. And so you need to behave as a pro, commit to the areas that you haven't so far, achieve results consistently that are close to or at the pro level. And then I'll tell you when you're ready. And yep, I know you're thinking, I can be a bastard sometimes. So what were her actions? because we know actions speak louder than words. Well, the first thing she did, she left New York. She moved to Los Angeles to swim with Joey Rodriguez of Tower 26. All in, you might say. She also closely followed and learned from the seasoned Purple Patch pros at the time. Matt Liedo, Chris Liedo, Meredith Kessler, Rachel Joyce, Luke Bell. Marinate, watch, learn, and yeah, chase. And she was highly coachable. She committed, she asked questions, she was an active participant, she followed suggestions. And in fact, most of my coaching was to hold her back. There's a reason that we call her the ginger ninja. And what'd she do? Well, as an amateur, she won almost everything. We waited two years, two long years where she retained patience, she behaved as a pro, she started achieving pro results. But when she finally went, she was emotionally ready, resilient, practiced, and physically capable. Eight years later, multiple wins, multiple podiums, Ironman and half Ironman, including even a win in the very first season as a pro. You see, What you don't do is try to fly until you've built a runway. And so as we wrap this up, what are the quick tips for those looking to turn pro? Here we go, the quick bullets. Number one, are you consistently producing results at the highest level at amateur and developing and improving each year? So that already takes multiple years. You can't just be a flash in a pan with a great result. Number two, do your characteristics line up with the pro level? Not just behind, but with or above, swim, bike, and run. Are you close enough to have an impact? Have you been able to, number three, establish professional habits and approach? Number four, do you have a clear plan and mentor to guide and support you in all of your decisions? Number five, with all that in mind, When you think you're ready, for 90% of you, wait another six to 12 months. Make it obvious. Number six, actively address your weaknesses, especially those relative to other pros. Number seven, ensure that you have an absolute clear understanding of why you're doing it. A genuine and honest insight. If it's driven from external influences, such as accolades or motivation from racing at the level for the price of the entry fees or for fame, you are going to fail 100%. I promise you today, you will fail. And finally, ultimately, number eight, appreciate where this sits in life. Because you need to understand this, there is a seismic shift from fitting training in or around school or life and scaling to go race to ultimately having your central focus of your life being professional level sport. Your relationship and your identity ultimately changes. There is an undeniable and imperceptible internal pressure that raises, often to validate the decision of making that step to pro, but also there are external pressures, whether they're perceived or real from others. And it's extremely tough to race with these pressures while also keeping it really light and fun. So for most, it's an ongoing journey to adapt to this, no matter what your level is. We often hear pros discussing, I wish I could race like an amateur again. It was so easy and fun. In fact, let's just go back to Sarah Piampiano. Now, you might remember that she recently won Ironman Brazil, course record, bike record, run record, a defining career performance. But the difference this year compared to last year where, speaking only, she kind of struggled, a few things, but the central, the heartbeat of the full performance was that she was having fun. On the back end of her career, she realized that she'd converted her professional career into a prison sentence. Okay, <laughs> maybe that's a little dramatic. She gets to travel the world and ride bikes for a ward, but you get the point. Even with her success, she had allowed the internal drive and the inter- external forces to shackle her. And it was only when she realized that she was actually no longer having fun that she could stand at the crossroads and think, do I move on or do I commit to this for a few more years and have fun? She chose the latter, and the performance was free to take shape. So many pros will tell you that a great performance comes out when they release the shackles of expectation. But ultimately, I believe that can only come from the wisdom and also a thriving journey of development. Okay, if in doubt, wait, be patient. And yes, I know it's tough. Almost everyone will tell you to go, but it doesn't hurt to wait. But more than this, it isn't just waiting. It's ensuring that you're set up with your pathway, your habits, your mentor, and the appreciation for the right way to do this journey. And you actually get to develop the physical and emotional readiness to play the game the game in the thin, thin air of high performance. So sure, look, as we talk about this, I can hear some of you rumbling. And yes, my answer to the question that I won't ask on this is, yeah, some people jump out of a plane and survive. There are outliers. There are people that have successfully navigated the world of pro by going pro in their first or second season. But what I speak of is a strategic approach to set most people up for success. I'm not a pro and I'm not going to be a pro, say the majority of listeners as they hear me ramble on. Let's extrapolate this to the real world. Because a reminder, what we're really talking about here at the heart of it is personal growth. And let's think about what growth and development. You've heard me in other episodes and shows talk about what I believe people need to actually develop, evolve and grow and be successful in whatever their pursuit is. I consistently see people thrive and evolve when they have three main components in the fabric of their life. Number one, a mentor, someone to provide perspective, guidance, feedback, and even a little accountability. I also think people shine when they have peers to enable development amongst each other and support to share ideas, to help growth. And then ultimately, the opportunity for somebody to lead, to give back, to guide. In fact, teaching is the best education there can be. And so let's for a moment think about a developing teacher or coach because if we think about coaching or we think about the classroom, success isn't about knowing a bunch of great workouts or the theoretical components of the classroom of the sport. A good coach isn't just about prescribing good workouts. It isn't just the application of theory. A good teacher doesn't just deliver a curriculum we are not just about information transfer. To truly develop as a coach, we must master the theoretical side and then the effective delivery. We must also install confidence and belief. We must be able to establish and hold positive accountability. Dictatorship never works for the long-term. And we must be able to deliver just-in-time feedback to help people stay on track, the people that we're leading. We must start to learn to appreciate the patterns and responses across different populations and different individuals and hone our eye to understand when people are going off track or when they're thriving. And we must start to understand the nuances that come with people with different personalities and profiles. So over time, a great coach will become malleable, an ever-learning machine, and a great teacher will ultimately start to realize how ultimately little they know and how much more there is to learn. It is why coach can never thrive from simply being behind a keyboard. And it's why a great coach can never evolve on an island. And it is why a great coach can never learn only from online. Doing, sharing, listening, growing. Habits to establish a journey of development. As I said to a new friend just a week ago, Steve Ingham. Now, Steve, if you don't know him, you should head back and listen to the podcast, but he was essentially the head of the most successful British Olympic movement that we've had. And as he dissected my approach to one of my most successful pros, I said, Steve, here I am. This is what I'm prescribing. How can I improve? Where are the holes? What am I doing wrong? How can I grow? And I promise you, He had lots to say. You see, if you're not asking, you're not growing. And if you're not growing, you're wilting. Remember, evolve or die. So you coach? Great, here's the question for you. Who is your mentor? Who are you learning from? He or she doesn't need to be a coach per se, but you must have a fabric where you can gain advice, feedback and guidance, and it must be honest and raw. And then ultimately you must be able to adapt and evolve based on that feedback. It's the only chance for growth and success. Secondly, who do you share with? Are you a closed book in your training approach? Well, I'm sorry. If that's the case, then I believe that you're not a good coach. Share, listen and learn. And then ultimately, how? you leading how can you improve your style your communication your feedback your posture your tone those are the questions for development that's how you go from coaching to being a good coach and with that system and that eagerness you realize just as it is to go from being pretty smart and good as an athlete to actually being world-class. You have to find the fabric and the growth and the journey and the mentors to get you there. But what about being a part of a team in the work environment? What does it take to grow and to navigate your development as an employee? Well, if you want to evolve and grow and thrive in the workplace, learn a little from being pro or being pro-like. Learn from the characteristics and the demands of excellence. Habits are everything. Silent mouths will starve. And so commit to doing what is necessary to excel. And I'm not talking about doing a Tonya Harding here. So what are the behaviors that will mold and facilitate your thriving? If you want to grow within your company or position and become, here's a great word, Indispensable. If you want to achieve great effectiveness, you should be willing to adopt a pro mindset within the culture of your team that you're looking to shine. Now, I realize all of this can be very job dependent and company dependent. And so the best thing I can do for this is I can actually just talk about our team here at Purple Patch and how do we view being highly effective, all of us. Myself, Kelly, how do we actually think about setting up a pathway where each of us can become indispensable to the team and help us drive forward as a company, as a team? Well, we decided to anchor it, and this is what we live by, this is how we thrive. We decided to anchor it around four main values, and these are stated in a very purple patch way, you might say. Number one, we are restlessly curious. Number two, we're on a mission to nail the basics. Sound familiar? Number three, serious with a wink. That's our team, that's our pros, that's our athletes. And number four, we strive to be North Star leaders. It isn't just a platform of being an effective team member. Immersing ourselves inside these values enable us all as individuals to develop to grow, and to be on a pathway to thrive. Much in the same way is it so critical for an amateur athlete to evolve and grow. Myself, Kelly, the team, the intern. Let me give you a couple of examples. Remember, restlessly curious, nail the basics, serious with a wink, and North Star. We cannot expect to be great in all areas, but we can, as individuals, evolve and grow in every area. We can commit and we can buy in so that it sets our individual runways of growth. So with this, let's just go through a couple. I can't pull back the curtain all the way. I can't tell you our internal team belief system, but I can give you a couple of examples, restlessly curious. So this is the key that you encourage and believe that yourself and all of your athletes can learn anything, know anything and achieve anything. And the second component or example is under Restless Curious that you are equipped to thrive in an environment that is susceptible to change direction, unpredictability and a broad range of focus. And The third, and perhaps the most obvious, that you are eager to learn and expand your skills, growth, development, embrace it. We want every Purple Patch team member to be hungry, to love and have a passion for the journey, no matter how good of a coach they become, no matter how evolved they get in their position, we always want growth. Well, how about nailing the basics? This is a little bit more nuanced, but it's really important. Number one, we keep our promises and our commitments, and that's to our teammates, our customers, and our partners. Number two, you communicate when you're struggling. This is a harder thing to do. It takes bravery, wisdom, and courage to step up and say, I can't get it done, I need help. But we embrace it and we ask for it. We also wanna do the right thing. What would you do in any situation if the person on the other side was your very best friend and partner? And finally, we embrace the big picture and we hold ourselves accountable for the good of the company, the team, and most importantly, the athletes. Number three, serious with a wink. Of course, we're passionate and caring and we want to help others thrive and evolve, but we want to keep a light-hearted feel. But the most important thing is I think it's important for us all to remember and our athletes to remember, this is for fun. And our quest as a team is to help people, you people, find joy in training and exercising in a time-starved life. We're not looking to add a second job to anyone. And also, ultimately, to thrive and shine. You are inclusive. Everyone is invited. So leave your ego at home. The pros to the people that swim two minutes and 30 seconds per hundred in the pool. We don't exclude. We don't gossip. And we trust in the best intentions of our teammates, our customers, and our community. And ultimately, number four, the North Star Leader. We win and lose together. We share the credit and the responsibility. We believe that we all shine if we all win. We believe that if we all win, we all shine. And here we come back again. You ask for help when needed, you give help when you ask, and you offer help when you see that it's needed. You see, these values make up the pathway and the runway for development and growth. And so you might be talented in skills and have a great understanding of what coaching is or how to do a role at Purple Patch or any company. But These are the areas that as a human being, you must develop and you must take time. And you cannot do it without patience, without embracing the journey, and without developing the habits that can set you up for success. And so these set up, as we talked about before, each of our own individual and collective runways for growth. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the pathway of development to world-class performance. You young and aspiring, high performing amateurs, you want to go pro? Sure. But please, just do it for the right reasons. Set up being pro first before you're pro. Gain lessons of what the challenges are and what the life of a pro is like. And then, go all in. All in. Because I, for one, applaud you and I wish you the best of luck and I hope that your next superstar. But, just make sure, please, you do it the right way. See you all next week. Take care. Thanks so much for listening. This has been the Purple Patch Podcast. If you like what you hear, we'd really appreciate it if you share with your friends and even go the extra mile and head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate and review the show. The Apple Podcast link is in the show notes. Your support and positive reviews go a huge way in increasing our visibility and also the exposure to time staff people everywhere who want to integrate sport into life and ultimately thrive. Don't forget, you can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Cheers!